to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. This week, we crash the party with Mr. Bloom, look at what remains of a shattered empire, report on the latest Hulk sighting, crush your fantastic dreams, and more. You know what we forget to do, like, every single week? What? Is specify which one of us is Nick and which one of us is David. Well, I think at this point, if you're tuning in, like, how many episodes later, you kind of know whose voice belongs to who. You but can't know we, that. What? What? I, okay, if if you've been listening to every single episode well, since which, are the we just, first are, episode... Are we just relying you know, on that guy? Yeah, okay, relying on our one fan who has stuck with us since the beer, the very beginning. The guy who right now is wearing his uh, Heck Yeah Comics t-shirt. Oh, we need to make t-shirts. That would probably help. Because we could be walking on the street and they'd be like, what's that? And I'd be like, it's only the greatest podcast in the known universe. I don't think anybody would ever stop to talk to you about your shirt. Or Unless make it, it nerdier. They'd be like what's that? And I'd be like, it's only the coolest podcast in the Vega system. AKA Green Lantern reference. Boom. Right. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm David. That's Nick. This uh, is the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, where we talk about the weekly happenings in the comic world. I'm losing steam on this entirely. We talk about, uh, <laughs> we talk about news releases, news. Occasionally I will throw, uh, some, you know, unexpected things at Nick that he is not prepared for. Yeah, usually hammers, nails, um, construction-related materials. I hammer them where? Um, uh, nails. Hammers and nails. Anyway, uh, this week, Wait, 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 Nick, are you saying that we should talk about, uh, what, what has come out this week? On the poll list. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, let's talk about what came out this week. I'm prepared. Right. So, do we want to go something that we both read or go solo? Are Let's, we talking uh, team up or solo? Make it's time for us to go our separate ways. Let's go. Okay. Let's go solo. We'll we'll meet we'll meet up in the middle somewhere. Well, David, I usually tend to start and then um, monopolize the conversation until the very end. So I figure I'll let you start and uh, catch me up on what's been going on with Star Wars: Shattered Empire. Star Wars: Shattered Empires and this. No, I apologize. Star Wars, Journey to the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens, Star Wars, Shattered Empire, number uh, three, go. Well, all right, for the record, this Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens thing is a banner. They're throwing out a bunch of stuff, so it's not exclusive to this book. Uh, but anyway, I talked about yes, number... It no, it's not. It's also on the C-3PO book, I'm pretty sure. Um, it has to do with his red arm. Yeah, that's 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 the big selling point of his <laughs> book. They only can make one issue out of it. Oh man, what what's going on with his arm? So I, I talked about this uh, book a little bit when the first issue came out, and I it generally had positive things to say. And now we're three issues in. Apparently, it's only going to be four issues long. I didn't really know that. I wasn't sure how long it was going. I knew. I it thought was, it was at least six issues. Uh, at the end of this one, it says to be concluded. Huh. So, uh, so yeah. 
Oh, maybe uh, it was four issues. I don't know. Keep going. But here's just a brief overview of of the story. It is uh, that it takes place directly after the end of Return of the Jedi. So the Emperor is dead. Darth Vader is dead. The Empire is obviously weakened substantially. But the whole point of this story is that the Empire isn't dead. It's you know it has it's been the head's been cut off, but the body is still writhing. And when you're that massive, you know your your death rattles are going to shake the worlds. Mm-hmm. And as has been revealed, well, the Emperor, of course, is not dead. That is just rebel propaganda. We must continue this war for the Emperor, who is still very much giving us orders, guys. Duh. What do Duh, you mean? That we have not seen him on any screens or. Well, and that's actually yeah. been established that there is. Uh, let me let me try to find it real quick at the beginning of issue number two. Um, that there are these weird, like creepy red messengers who are going around and uh, giving certain um, giving certain orders to members of the Empire. Uh, Operation Cinder is what it's called. And uh, what it seems like is they are going around burning down worlds. Uh, so what's been happening is the main character whose name I cannot remember. The girl, right? It's the girl, yes. Well, is it, oh, no, she's not Dameron. She's Dameron's mother. Uh, yes. uh, so it's, it's Shara Bay. Shara Bay. Um, or more like Shara Bay. And, and her husband, oh, uh, Sergeant Kess Dameron. So... Uh, anyway, it mostly follows uh, Shara Bay, and she. After the first issue, they you know they were on the moon of Endor still, and they they like attacked a base there, and then it's like, oh man, this whole thing's far from over. And so now on issue two, we're kind of jumping around and like going to these different battles, uh, you know, twenty days out from uh, the Battle of Endor, and mm-hmm. then of course Shara Bay gets to escort princess leia on a very important mission to a you know this planet we've never seen before and of course i'm just kidding it's a planet we saw a whole bunch of it's naboo uh which apparently is where palpatine is from do you naboo yeah he was from naboo uh, I think, well, I mean, if you watched think, the original think that, ones, I yeah, think it was kind of clear that he was. Yeah, I think it came up. It's just been a long time since I've seen the prequel movies. For good um, reason. Yeah. But anyway, so she travels to Naboo, and they're, like, trying to work with the princess. But, oh, man, something's going on with the planet at this at this time. And it turns out the Empire is there trying to destroy it. And so Shara Bay, Princess Leia, and the princess... Uh, or queen, I forgot, it's a queen there on Naboo. The queen of Naboo are the only trained pilots. So the three of them load up in ships and go up to destroy the satellites and the TIE fighters that are attempting to destroy the planet. And surprise, surprise, they are successful. Uh, and at the end yeah, at the end of issue number three, Shara Bay and her husband are reunited. And there's one more issue left to go. So my thoughts on this book, I really like the concept of it. The idea that, you know, the, the Empire didn't die as soon as the Emperor did. 
that an organization this large and this far reaching, uh, he would have plans for something like this happening and his agenda and will would continue. That's really cool. And I, you know, they, they do uh, a fairly good job exploring that idea, but, you know, not entirely. Um, well, when you only got four issues. Yeah, but I feel like there's more they could have done. Instead, what this book very unfortunately feels like at times is, oh, and here's what this character you know is doing. Mm-hmm. Instead of really focusing on these new characters, or giving us you know new new people and just being like, oh yeah, somebody's going to mention Princess Leia in conversation. It's like, no, here's Princess Leia. Here's Han Solo some more. Ah, Chewbacca's here. Guess what? We've also got C-3PO. Lando's going to come flying in. We haven't seen Luke yet, but the cover for the next issue is Luke. And I know, I know, the cover for all of these issues, except for issue number two, have had these main characters from Star Wars right there on them. But it's like, for whatever reason, like, on one hand, they're kind of giving you a window into uh, Force Awakens character, in this case, Poe Dameron's background, even though it's his parents. Mm-hmm. So it's utilizing them in a way where they're technically the main, or at least Sharabay? Sharabay is is the main character. But she's uh, not. She's, like, she's a vehicle for all the characters from Star Wars. To okay, show so up. she's technically... It's a weird way where, like, it's almost like they're, they're told that, like, you can kind of show what they were doing after Return of the Jedi, but, like, we want to leave, like, the meat and potatoes of that to maybe another book, either a prose novel or another comic series. So in this, you need to kind of sort of touch on this Force Awakens character's past, and you need to kind of touch on the main Star Wars cast in a way that doesn't really... Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think... Trying... That whets your appetite without actually, you know, giving anything concrete. But I think, you know, trying to meet those two things, they, they ultimately, in a very in a very unfortunate ways, fail. There's good things about this book, and this is a book that I would say that I like, but I don't love... It's not something I'm going to necessarily recommend, or even where I feel like I'm getting a lot out of reading this that's building my Star Wars knowledge in very uh, meaningful ways. You know, part of the the thing that was so daunting about the previous uh, extended universe was this: there was so much information, and so like they, they, Luke and Leia's lives were written, everything that's happened from the moment they were born to the moment that they eventually died. Like, every single moment. And there's just there was just so much information that it was hard to see, like, where do I get in? What information do I need to know? And this just kind of feels like some of that same information, where it's stuff that it's really not consequential for me to know that, and maybe at some conversation in the future, it'll you know somebody's gonna be like you know what were they doing right after return of the jedi gonna be like well actually mm-hmm. uh but there's like oh okay neat i don't know the, the stakes in this book never really feel that huge and part of that is because we have main characters floating around who we know are alive because we they know they're filming. alive and because they're not actually the main thrust of the comic they're not ever in any peril even if we right. know that which, they're going which also makes the side characters never really in any peril yeah, well, they could do something where, like, they kill off, say, Poe Dameron's father. But it's another thing where if the movies are ultimately the anchors that matter most, when we go to see Force Awakens, 
a rakin's force a rakin when the force is a rakin you know lightsabers um, that have like have little prongs at the end so you can rake up all those leaves <laughs> all those sick leaves um when we well, when we go to see it how much of knowing poe dameron's background is really going to matter which you know is i guess that's the case like all, all the all of this comic book materials is somewhat ancillary um to to the movies so i guess it's kind of like you have to go in and accept it right with well a well and, that, salt. and then i do and i do accept that they they're not going to be telling me the the backstory of force awakens i don't want the backstory of force awakens i want to know as little about that movie as i can for another couple of months uh, you know, well, now but, you know Poe Dameron has parents, so well, what are you going to do about but here, that? Even if in this next issue, Poe Dameron's father gets killed, I, bar- I barely know him. That's not going to have any effect on me. If he were to have, say, died, if this was about, like, Shara Bay, and it was this story about this really badass fighter pilot chick and how she had to deal with her her lover dying while fighting, you know, finishing up this war, but also trying to raise this child and ultimately having to make this choice of, you know, do I, do I try to continue on this war or is my legacy, the child that I had with my dead husband who I can raise to continue uh, in these footsteps. But instead it's like, and here's what Han Solo was doing. Uh, I feel Mm. like they should strip away the whole journey to the force awakens thing off. If they've done that, think they would have had a little bit more freedom to tell a story if they'd focused a little more on Bay, if they had given us a little bit more of the war i would have liked this way way more mm-hmm. all in all it's not bad but it's not it's not amazing it's not like i mean like i already said i'm not going to be recommending this out to people um if you're a diehard like i need to know everything about this franchise fan yeah this is more information that you're going to enjoy uh the art is fantastic. I should I should talk about the art. The art is really really great. Um, I can never pronounce the, the guy's name. Marco Cacetto. 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 Yeah, he 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 does a really really great job. Um, I mean, having this photorealistic style that doesn't you know doesn't hit that uncanny valley uh, is really nice. It's like it looks exactly like these characters but comic booky at the same time mm-hmm. um rucka yeah I feel, I feel like rucka was a little bit on the rails on this one uh where there was just a very clear agenda of here is the very limited story we want to tell and i he's doing a fine job telling it mm-hmm. but i really do get the feeling that there was not a lot of freedom in this that maybe he wasn't the one who was pitching the story but instead, it was like, hey, do you want to write a Star Wars comic? Uh, here's the story that you can tell. I think he's writing one of the prose novels, too. I'll go check that out. I mean, they definitely have some more freedom there. I've heard Aftermath is good. I think Aftermath might be more what I wanted. And mm-hmm. part of that is because it's a prose novel versus a four-issue comic. Unless it's five pages long, you kind of have to dig in deep with it. Because right. when I read the first issue, and I thought this going through with the first issue, I, I totally thought it was a clear setup that, like, all right, Shara Bay has uh, her, lo- her husband, and they totally do it. And then 
he ends up dying. And I thought it would be kind of a series of her dealing with this loss at the same time that they're dealing with a victory and defeating the empire, so to speak. And then boom, at the end of the book, you find, Oh, you're pregnant. And it's like, Oh, Poe Dameron. Um, but so, obviously that's not what happened. Yeah. So maybe Poe Dameron gets uh, a loving uh, family. Which I guess would be okay. And there, there is a little bit here that um, establishes some interesting idea that, you know, when we're going to get to the Force Awakens, that this remnant of the Empire might be operating under the guise that the Emperor himself is still alive and in hiding. Uh, we don't. Know. I feel like though, if if we open with the Force Awakens and everyone's like, guys, the Emperor is still around. I well, swear. I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like this. I mean, however big this faction is that we've seen, we don't we don't know how big they are. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's some thoughts on Journey to Star Wars, Force Awakens, Star Wars, Shattered Empire. Number three. Number three. <laughs> number well, it's number two and three. I'm kind of throwing my thoughts all in there. Gotcha. Uh, do we want to want to talk about Batman right now? We want to go ahead and uh, get that. Uh, oh, oh, I, I have one other book that I read this week uh, that Nick, you can help me out on here. Uh, sure. What What the hell is going on in East of West right now? Uh, I will say I have not actually read the latest issue, Month but having read the previous issues, I can say, David, I don't friggin' know. See, this this is when I when I got out of the book for a while, and then I had to read like 10 of them all at once it was really great and now that i'm reading like month to month it was very quickly that i kind of dropped out of what's happening because there's just so much going on i went and like went through wikipedia and just read like quick character bios and i'm like oh yeah like that guy's in here and oh he's doing that and i didn't realize he was associated with this people with these people because mm-hmm. it came up years ago at this point uh I, yeah it's maybe I should just start saving them up again. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm just yeah, I might up. I might hold off with this because it's definitely a book between the writing and the art that I like. It's 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 very Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, um, and and, but go, and you going, do need a few issues in the Canda, right? And it might be actually be good if I can get my hands on the trades. I don't know if I want to buy them necessarily, but maybe see if my library's got them. Uh, just to go back through it again now that we have so much backstory. Because, God forbid, you go over to your lawn box and try to dig them out. Then I have to, like, I have to, like, dig them out. I have to find a which lawn box they're in. I have to break the tape on the back, pull the issue out, put it back when I'm done. <laughs> like, like, this is a lot of work. Instead, I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to operate it. I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to get a library card. I'm going to see if they have. Uh... You're going to request the book if they don't. Oh god, no, no, no! That's way too much effort. I'm just oh gonna, god! If I don't have it, I'm just gonna give up. It's I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go take a nap in nonfiction at that point. First world comic problems. Yeah, seriously. Uh, don't get let's... me started on third world comic problems, my god. Oh well, let's talk about Batman. Speaking of problems, uh, this is a fully fully work while I dig out my copy of Batman. For I've got it right here. Oh. I usually take my comics out of the bag before I uh, come up here, but this week I was lazy. So Batman forty five. Now after uh, how long was the was it was it just one month? Just, we... Yeah, basically one month break because last month they did the the uh, flashback to like the first year after zero year. Right. So we are back now with Jim Bat. 
Jimbat. And uh, when we last left our hero, he was in a furnace. What was going to happen to him? He's going to get out? Well, he, he got out. But it was very dramatic on how he got out. And it was a very Jim Gordon, Batman-defining moment. Uh, of course, he catches himself still in the middle of lots of trouble, and he barely escapes with the help of his team and robo-bat-bunny suit. And what happened after that? Oh, and I'm just going to go ahead and capture all the uh, the Jim Gordon stuff that's going on. He goes and he meets with his boss. Uh, what's her Jerry name? Jerry Powers. Yeah, Jerry Powers. And she's like, hey, you're totally cool, but you're super reckless. And trying to be like the real Batman, not like the state-sponsored Batman that we signed you up for. So you're out, Jim Gordon. Uh, we also discovered this new element that's totally not going to be a Chekhov's gun at any point in the storyline. Here's a giant battering made out of it. Uh, and it's called Batmanium. Batmanium, which, uh, hey, I've heard worse. <laughs> Unobtainium. Unobtainium is the worst. And, uh, and... Before we get to more, we also have a storyline where Bruce is disheartened by the remnants of Joker's Endgame that are lit littering the Narrows, where he now lives? Slash works? I don't really know what he's doing with his time. I mean, I know what he's doing. I don't know how he's sustaining himself. I mean, I'm assuming he's living with Julia, and he might still have some kind of access to whatever's left of the Wayne fortune. Right. Because, you know, they, they they can never really do a story where it's completely gone. Yeah. Just like an arrow. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, we have money <laughs> we because have money my now. girlfriend is the CEO of a major conglomerate. Yep. Uh, but anyway, Bruce and Julia are dealing with the remnants, literally the remnants of the floats. So the giant dinosaur and the creepy dancing skeleton people. And it's like they're just laying out here because nobody's come to take them away. So Bruce gets the great idea of we're going to build a playground out of this because these are trophies. More on that later. There's also a brief appearance of Duke Thomas with his cousin? Right? I don't just... know if they're cousins, they're just family friends. I couldn't tell if they were family friends related. I, th I don't know if I read something else maybe this week. I, I uh, haven't read We Are Robin yet, so I don't really know what Duke Thomas has been doing up in that. I've only read the first two issues. Anyway, so he basically recruits this guy who's working very actively with Batman. Uh, I can't remember his name. Daryl. Daryl. Yeah, he's kind of his, uh, his tech guy. He recruits him, sort of, to We Are Robin. Anyway... We cut back to the very end where Jim Gordon is about to give his big uh, retirement speech from Batman when, wait a minute, that, that police blimp is coming right towards this building. It's Pretty sure it's the Bat blimp. Did I say, what did I say? Police blimp. Well, you said police blimp. I mean, I mean it is it, effectively yeah, a police yeah, blimp. Yeah, but... you know. Uh, and it's coming right towards this building, right towards this room. It's not stopping. So Jim Gordon goes, and he saves Jerry Powers right as the blimp crashes in, and who emerges but none other than Mr. Bloom. So there you have it, folks. That's Batman number 45 in a nutshell. You don't have to go buy it. Um, well, okay. So I obviously have thoughts on the issue. Uh, you do. I've, I've ultimately been enjoying the Jim Bat run. Uh, so far, I, I did let, tell you earlier that I thought this was the weakest issue and possibly because sometimes Scott Snyder doesn't seem to know when to get out of his own way and stop making damn speeches. Um, 
every writer the, every writer has their style their their thing this is this is what people like see someone like say bendis people usually make fun of him for just having like the continuous like the hey what no what huh who what 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 uh right like the hey no the hey no what hey no what like what? in the like hey, in the bendis you, book yeah like the bendis book like the guy who writes comics yeah like that guy the like, guy bendis yeah that anyway this has been this has been heck yeah comics leader <laughs> um snyder really likes to kind of go off with like anecdotal things or allegorical things. Um, the opening is really crisp. Um, <laughs> oh God, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> what um, the, the, I could feel the tension um, kind of the, the ratcheting it up as Jim Goring's trying to get out of the furnace. Uh, I thought the opening scene was probably the strongest part of the book uh, with the armor coming in and helping him beat up and using sharks to beat the crap out of that was so great. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, armor the gang just, armor just picks up two sharks laying there and just starts wailing on guys. You know, which Amazing. that that's where this book really shines. Like it's really just kind of leaned into the fact like this is redonkulous. Um, beyond that, I like checking in with Bruce, um, but this is kind of where it starts to fall apart because it's just. Uh, see, you think this is where it's falling apart? I think there's so many great things here, but continue. Well, no, no, I, like the content is fine. I don't like. I, I don't. I like that. Like they're commenting on, you know, the the aftermath of the Endgame story. I'm not calling the event that happened Endgame. I thought that was dumb. Um, the whole city got hit hard by Endgame. All right, move, like move, move past it. Keep talking. Okay, moving on. Um, no, no, that, no that, that is a fair criticism. That's funny because it's something that I, like I said, I didn't even bat an eye at. And, mm-hmm. But for you, that, that stuck out. If I was a comic fan talking to another comic fan, I would just be like, man, nothing's been the same since Endgame. Because that's what the story arc was called. But right. I don't think anyone in the I don't think Joker ever said, hello world, this is my Endgame. So I don't know why people would call it the Endgame event. Zero year I get because Riddler came out and was like, this is your zero year. So it, it sticks, but in this case, whatever. Um, but it's just like, it's when he's trying to get kind of allegorical, metaphorical, or whatever, I'm amongst not choosing my words um, well, but it just kind of comes off very ham-fisted or heavy-handed. Like when he, he's talking to the little girl and we were just trying to hide this stuff, Bruce, and no one will come for her and use it the way Joker did. If we cover it up, maybe they won't come. Like, I guess that's something that a kid would kind of say. Um, but it, like, I, I could also argue that it, that a kid wouldn't say something like that. It just seemed kind of heavy handed and forced. I do like Bruce and Julia together. Um, but just all the freaking speeches. Yeah. Um, all right. Sorry, can, um, can I go back to Bruce and Julia, or do you have other things you want to say real quick? Uh, no, I just really want to complain for 20 minutes about the speeches. Okay, that's fine. Um, other than that, other than that, I mean, the issue itself was, was pretty good. The action, the art, uh, a lot of the beats, but um, really basically gonna... it's whenever the character would come up and have like this kind of long about reason to explain something and then be like, oh, and this is actually what I meant. Like, I'm just get to the point. That's all I really have, David. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. All right. So I really want to talk about Bruce and Julia. Obviously, there is some really, really great stuff there. Where I kind of went back over that those scenes again uh, at the end, or when I, after I finished reading it, because what you have is you have Bruce 
obviously conflicted about what's going on. You know, this stuff being left here, it's very horrible. And Julia comes in and, you know, she kind of gives him a little pep talk, maybe a speech, I don't care, uh, where it is just like, Bruce, this is what's really great about you, even though you're not still that guy. It's like you, you see stuff like this and you want to make people brave. You want to find ways to make people brave. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to use some of the dialogue here in my examples. Uh, and Bruce gives this, this sort of very sad moment of, you know, I, I the Bruce Wayne who I was before didn't really exist because he doesn't know about Batman. He doesn't know who he was. Um, I get these big hints that Julia might know just based on the way that she acts. Um, but you know, they're like there really was no Bruce Wayne. This is Bruce Wayne now. This is Bruce Wayne as a man. There, when there was Batman, there wasn't really a Bruce Wayne. And what she really liked about Bruce Wayne way back in the day was that he tried to inspire people, make them brave. Now he does that through Batman, etc. One thing that's really tragic is that Bruce starts to say to Lydia, or to Lydia, um, Julia, starts to say to her that. Julia, I want you to know I love... And she says, shut up. And it's like, you know, it can be kind of played off. Like, he's about to say, I love you. And she kind of plays off like, oh, shut up. You know, we'll deal with this stuff. Don't worry about that. But it's actually this really, really sad moment because she says, you know, these reasons when I knew you back in the day, that's why I loved you. She doesn't say that's why I love you. She said that's why I loved you. And I kind of get the implication she doesn't necessarily love this Bruce that there's that there is right now and she also kind of has this idea that this bruce that she's with is not real and is probably temporary that there's this looming thing that his memories are going to come back he's going to go be that bruce wayne again and he's going to disappear even if he loves her right now that's not something she can really let herself fully commit to and we kind of see that hint of that bruce coming back at the end when he builds this big playground and there's a slide coming out of the T-Rex mouth. Uh, you know, there's a giant card above the swing set. And he says, these are trophies for us to remember what we've come through. And that is such a Batman thing. Because he essentially sets up the Batcave yet again as a children's playground. And you see that Bruce Wayne, even though he doesn't have the memories, is still there. The, the Batman inside of him is still there. And it's beginning in its own little ways to come out. Mm -hmm. And I am going to be so sad the day that Bruce Wayne gets his memory back and he becomes this man who doesn't love Julia. Maybe he does, but he knows that he's not going to be with her. And I, man, there's just so much in that for me that like really stuck out. I don't know why. I don't know why. It was very, very powerful stuff. It's... It, it's definitely heavy. I'd even would say super heavy, uh, because I get the arc's it. called super heavy. Um, I don't get it. Kind, kind of because the arc is called super heavy. Uh, never mind. I know. I got it. You, you have failed this podcast. Uh, I don't get it. Um, kind of. I'm kind of looking over the pages too as you were talking, and it is. It actually is, as far as the content goes, a really sweet, uh, bittersweet. Uh, scene um i don't get the vibe that julia knows he's batman i think that's something that she didn't give the impression that she knew 
in at the end of zero year because she really only came in, in the last five seconds of zero year she just came in at the very like, beginning. oh i'd love to meet with bruce i haven't seen him in a long time she came in at the and very like, beginning what she was there at the very beginning of zero year uh, like, briefly, like when he returned was, yeah it was like it was again a very brief thing but so she had next to no impact um you know so but i know like if you read um the Batman and the Monster Man and Batman and the Mad Monk, like those stories specifically set up and established the Julia Madison, uh, Julie Madison relationship, um, or kind of the beginning and the end of it. Um, it's, and again, they're worth the read. And I don't know how much of that is intact in the new 52 universe. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if beyond zero year, they had a bit more of a fling before it kind of dissolved. Or if literally he hasn't really seen her since Zero Year, and this is them reconnecting. So I don't get the vibe that she knows he's Batman. I think that Alfred kind of dropped him off at her doorstep or contacted her and just been like, you know, during Endgame, Bruce suffered a, a serious fall and lost all his memories. And, you know, maybe you, a familiar face like you, would be able to help him out. Um, so I think that's what she's going off of. If, if she has a vibe that. His memories are slowly coming back. It's it's hard to say. I definitely get the vibe when he's trying to say that he loves her and she says, shut up. You know, uh, it could have just been coincidental or it could be something that gears turning in her head. Um, you definitely get the vibe, though, I agree, at the very end with the with him setting it up like the Batcave. Or not necessarily the Batcave, but, you know, saying that they're trophies because that's something that Batman Bruce was really into was trophies. But... Um, so what I think, and I'm wondering if you think this, do you think it's going to be something where they're like, boom, magic, Bruce has his memories back. Cause there's only so many ways that that could actually happen. From my understanding, he had his head crushed in. He died. The, mm, Dionysium, the Dionysium brought him back, brought him back, but as a blank slate, kind of like what happened to Archangel in uncanny X-Force, mm-hmm. uh, way back when. Um, but the whole idea is, was that the, whatever was originally in there is gone. Well, you remember a couple issues ago, they introduced the cloning machine that wasn't fully completed. <clears throat> I bet you Bruce's memories are saved inside of that golden spider bot. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> you know, um, like, I haven't even read Superior. Are you happy with that reference? Yes, I am. Though, if I remember correctly, this, the golden spider bot never actually factored, in, factored into Peter getting his memories back. No, what a letdown. Jeez. So, uh, I guess that was just a thing to put dr octopus in peter not the other way around right um so i okay that's true i did forget about the the partially made cloning thing i guess i'll be curious then if that is the reason that bruce gets his memories back who does it uh why and so on and so forth um if anything i like i i guess it's not likely but i like the idea that like he doesn't know that he's doing batman things but as he starts to kind of develop these batmanish behaviors like like setting up the, the a trophy room as a, a playground or something like that, mm-hmm. that he gets to a point where he does ultimately find out that he, yes, he was Batman, maybe because he notices his chin on all the pictures of Batman. Um, or then, uh, or he, he starts sleepwalking, but his sleepwalking is going out at night dressing like a bat and fighting crime. Yeah, something that would really tip him off the fact <laughs> that he was Batman. Um, Why am you I know, beating up just, these criminals? Oh, God, I'm Batman! You know, kind of coming to that conclusion and then... I don't know, deciding to to become Batman, but obviously a very different Batman. 
than what he was. Yeah. So to speak. I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. No, no, no. I mean, it really is a very cool thing that we could definitely spend some time talking about of how is it going to happen? Like, like what traits are going to come out? Because they seem to kind of be hinting towards that. Um, It'll probably happen, I'm thinking, issue 50. Yeah, I think they said that this was only a 10-issue storyline. So this is... What is this, part four? Part three? I think it was part four. Where does it... It said at the very end, Super Heavy is part five. So this is... So so this is technically like halfway through, because I think it's supposed to be a 10-issue storyline. I I don't know if they're including the last issue. Yeah, that's what I I think they might be. Um, So it could be... um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, So, I mean, it's something where by issue 50, Bruce could be back with his memories, but we might still have Jim Bat. Here's the thing. They did this with Superior Spider-Man, and thankfully they're kind of course-correcting it with the new volume because it allows for escalation. Mm-hmm. But you, they, they've set up something really unique here, and I realize not everyone likes it, but it's really tough. Like, I could continue to read Jim Bat because in this case it's a natural progression of what Snyder was doing, and anything to backpedal it, kind of hurts the integrity of the story because realistically I guess as realistic as you can get there shouldn't be any way for Bruce to come back from it and if he does come back from it he needs to be changed in some way it can't just be that he gets his memories back and he goes back to being the basically the same Batman we all know and love well uh, yeah and Jim Gordon can't just go back to being the commissioner you know, I, these things are all sort of cyclical where it's going to be like alright we've got to change him you know, right now you have a Superman who is but much more Superman of the streets than he's been in years. Street man. Street, street man. Uh, you have, you know, this Batman who, you know, hopefully things like will get changed with him. And then a few years down the line, it's going to kind of go back to the way things were. And then, you know, like this is going to happen with the Marvel books, too. We have all these changes, all these new characters. Everyone's like so different. But really, you kind of have Tony Stark going back to the way that he was um you really can't do a lot with tony stark these days it feels like uh eventually you know everyone's gonna fall back into their same patterns then like this next wave's gonna come in agents of hate and they're going to be like no we have to shake everything up we have to change everything everybody's gonna be new here's the new status quo all right great that's working for a while yeah, it's not starting to work. Let's get uh, Jim Gordon back as commissioner and get Bruce Wayne brooding on the rooftops again. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm not naive. I, I totally get that, that that's going to happen. I'm just, I I could do with more than 10 issues of Jim Bat. Yeah. That's what it ultimately comes to. And, but in, in if, in, and like Superior Spider-Man, if Bruce is going to come back at the end of all this, I just want it to be a compelling reason that to have him back more than just at least for the foreseeable future than just we need Batman back. Yeah. You know? I think uh, Thea and Laurel are going to show up at his house and they're going to be like, uh, hey, we need the Green Arrow slash Batman. And, and it's going to be a Batman-Green Arrow hybrid. Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne are both going to fall into a Lazarus pit together and have uh, a... I'm so excited they're dealing with Thea being insane. Me too. Like, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's being addressed. I guess I shouldn't have doubted that they were going to address it. There was just a lot going on in season three. There was. Uh, yeah, but, you know, we're not here to talk about that. All right. Let, let, let's talk about... So, so 
we've shared our thoughts now on Batman 45. Obviously, I enjoyed it a bit more than you, which is fine. But let's just agree on one thing. Absolutely. Greg Capullo gets better with every issue. I'm going to, like, really, he does. I'm so impressed. I'm going to miss him when he takes his break. Do we know how long that is for? Uh, Supposedly, they keep saying it's a quick break. So if he's leaving after issue 51, assuming that he's going straight into, and for all we know, he might be working on the Mark Millar project already in his spare time. Mm -hmm. Let's say most of the time, Mark Millar's projects tend to be about four issues, four to six issues. So at best, he's gone for maybe six months. Yeah, let's, say he's say, only, let's say he's only doing a four-issue miniseries with Mark Millar. Maybe he takes a month off to to kind of slowly get back into the thing. Yeah. So we could be seeing him, um, you know, back again around. It could be ten issues, like and like nine issues later, like Batman number sixty or something. Mm-hmm. That also means that Scott Snyder is staying on, not taking a break with him. Which it would be interesting if Snyder did take a break with him. But uh, the, do we know who's replacement artist yet? We don't, and, but man, do they have big shoes to fill. Yeah. Do you get a feeling it's going to be Jock? Because I get a feeling it's going to be Jock. I like Jock. I hope it's not Jock. I want something that's who someone who's complementary to Greg Capullo than, than Jock, who yeah. has a very unique, gritty style, but I just, I, I'd rather someone closer to Greg Capullo takes over. Yeah, we'll have to think maybe in a couple of weeks we can name our successors. But, hey, Nick, why don't you tell me? You read a couple of books this week. Uh, tell me tell me, tell me, me what you read. Talk about one, at least one of them. At least All right, them so, so sticking on the DC train. Let's do it. Uh, a book that I was really curious about. Now, now, I really didn't read Convergence at all. I think I said I read the last issue of Convergence. Yeah, I was kind um, of all over the map on it. Um, but, I mean... Overall, I, I don't think the event was very good. I think that a lot of the tie-ins kind of, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, I did hear that the Superman one, uh, specifically picking up um, with the pre-Flashpoint Superman in Lois Lane, um, was pretty good. Of course, it has stellar art by Lee Weeks, so it's hard to complain about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so- part of the post-convergence landscape is that so you're here to talk about kfc the colonel of two worlds yes which, which is an interesting sponsorship yeah the fact that uh, i haven't finished reading it yet but oh man it is especially because it's the flash because i'm just like if, kind of amazing if you're eating freaking kfc fried chicken the last thing you're doing is moving fast it's true um right. anyway so so this is Superman, Lois and Clark, number one. This picks up in the post-convergence landscape where, as a result of convergence, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was re- undone, which really leads to a whole host of continuity problems um, that and will never I ever be addressed probably until the next crisis. It's amazing. Um, but uh, one of the people responsible for undoing Crisis was pre-Flashpoint Superman, uh, along with Lois. She, like, went along with him, but I don't know what the heck she did. Um, and the the pre-Crisis Supergirl and Barry and and uh, apparently, oh, and Parallax. They all went off to Parts Unknown. Uh, and uh, even though they said that because it was all undone, all of these worlds were renewed and there's, like, multiverses on top of multiverses and all that, Technically, the pre-Flashpoint Earth should still be around, but either A, 
uh, Clark and Lois don't know that. Um, well, I thought the point of Flashpoint was that worlds got merged. It was, but I think they've kind of backpedaled on that. Um, the the hmm. pre the New Fifty Two is technically uh, a merging of the Wildstorm and Wildstorm. There was another universe, and I'm just not thinking of it. Um, and and the main DC universe. Um, so technically, the pre Flashpoint universe is still the New Fifty Two universe, but merged. And I guess if you want to be technical, all they did was pick up the let's call it the uh, timeline pointer and drop it back a few years. You know what I mean? Because they said this is going to take place five years ahead of the emergence of the Justice League or Superman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if it's technically kind of pulling back, the, uh, rolling back the clock on these characters, they're the same characters from pre-New 52, just earlier in their careers and obviously including the different changes that were made as a result of the universe is merging. Mm-hmm. All this is, of course, just kind of... Um, backstory. Backstory and, and marketing stuff. I mean, ultimately, these characters are very different in many ways from their, their pre-Flashpoint counterparts. So you, it's still... The fact that this um, Superman and Lois exists means that even though those worlds were emerged, this is, if anything, uh, an alternate... Uh, alternate universe that's just basically identical to uh, the pre-Flashpoint Earth. I guess you could think of it that way, too. Either way, they don't know, or they're under the impression that their world is no longer there. So Brainiac made them a deal that said that you can go, I'll send you anywhere you want. Somehow they ended up on the New 52 Earth just about when, or right when, uh, the uh, Justice League origin was going on and they're fighting Darkseid. Superman almost intercedes and then stops at the last minute when the new 52 Superman shows up and Interesting. You know, victory is won. So he's just like, all right, I'm going to go back to my family. Hmm. So uh, another thing that that's, that was established during convergence is that the pre flashpoint Superman and Lois had a son named John. They actually have him during convergence. Um, Cause obviously they, she was not pregnant. Uh, during the last arc of the Superman comic before New 52. His name's Um, John. His name's John, which is is interesting in a way, and I don't know if they're going to play into this, um, but technically the New 52 Superboy is a clone of the future child of Clark and Lois. Hmm. But they've established that Clark and Lois and the New 52 are fairly platonic, well, for um, now, it's you know, it's the future child. Who knows the how? The future, and I don't know if they know that the Superboy was, is, the, is their future is a clone of their future son. Uh, and I know there's this whole complicated, convoluted thing where uh, their son in the future got kidnapped by a time traveler named Harvest, and then cloned him. Or and apparently, John Jonathan Kent. Uh, um, the Superman's son ends up being like just like a crazy whack job. Um, That's that happens so often with superheroes' kids or like good guys' kids. Yeah, Jim Gordon Jr. totally batshit insane. Yeah, Damian Wayne. You know, he kind of like kind of really dropped the ball with the whole Superboy uh, New Fifty Two Superboy because it was like the clone. And now in pre New Fifty Two, he was a clone of. Um, Superman and Lex Luthor, which Damn was like, you, Johns. which wasn't part of his original origin, but Jeff Johns, you know, obviously retconned that, and it actually, I to me, it really worked. Um, 
So I figured they would have kept that for this. They didn't. He's now the clone of the future son of Superman and Lois. And then he ends up being a good guy, but then he ends up dying. No. And then they bring in the actual future son, like, that he was cloned from. And he apparently has this plan to, like, kill all the superheroes, but then he doesn't. And then something happens where a bunch of Superboys show up. And this has actually nothing to do with the issue at yeah, hand. Yeah, why? What? How did you so get on this tangent? Let's, let's talk um, about If you're curious, uh, I don't know, check out Wikipedia. Um, all right, so they're on the New 52 Earth. They want to keep their, their um, secret existence identity. a secret. Uh, and so life goes by pretty mundanely for them. They're living in a repurposed farm. Uh, they're going by the last name White, a.k.a. Perry White. Um, Jonathan, it. so it's technically only been like five or six years since Justice League origin, but Jonathan totally comes off as like a nine-year-old, not like a six-year-old. So I don't really know how they're going to explain that. Um in the meantime, Lois Lane has been writing books under the name Author X, which I'm trying to think of authors in the real world who go by. Like, there's pen names, but no one, I think, goes by Author X. That sounds like, like somebody who have a blog. Yeah, like, it, it sounds X. like, you know, like a, a crazy fringe conspiracy theorist, but supposedly she's an award-winning author um, who goes who's only known solely by her secret identity as author X and she's published a bunch of books taking out various criminal organizations. Um, I guess I should, the, the point, And I really like this is that one of the things that the pre flashbook Superman has been doing is because he's now living in an earlier point of his timeline. Technically he's looking in on people who go on to become his villains. Hmm. So he's trying, you know, sometimes he's stopping a volcano eruption or a tsunami here or there. Um, without anyone catching him. But uh, one of his main goals is keeping an eye on people like, say, Hank Henshaw. You know, Hank Henshaw, pre-52, went on to become Cyborg Superman, destroyed Coast City, did a whole host of other terrible things. So that's something that this Superman would want to keep an eye on. Hmm. Um, so he's actually coming in right when Hank Henshaw's space shuttle, which went missing during a 10-year journey, is on its way back to Earth, uh, and he starts to see that things are starting to go very similar, but how much they're going to diverge because of this Superman's involvement remains to be seen. What was really good about this issue was that it's actually covered a lot of plot points without necessarily feeling overstuffed. Hmm. Um, Dan Jurgen's writing, it's not my usual flair. Um, some no. of it can seem a little hokey. Not enough speeches but, for you? But he's absolute like the having lee weeks as the artist totally backs him up because it it really was bearable and when the dialogue wasn't dialogue or captions weren't that great uh and, and in some cases really superb um you just you enjoyed the characters it was like you get that you're in the new 52 universe but these are characters like from a time that maybe it's nostalgia but everything just kind of feels brighter with them more wholesome you know and i'm honestly a wholesome guy but i was like totally vibing on it with this issue. Yeah, you are usually uh, pretty dark and brooding. Yeah, gritty. I'm like, I'm the new 52 all over. Um, you're, you're jacked like bats. I'm, I'm jacked like bats. Um, so this thing covers a lot of grounds. You've got the Hank Henshaw slash the Superman checking in on um, his, his villains to see how they develop. You have uh, Lois Lane as author X. Uh, her next project Mr. is exposing Intergang. 
and you find out that uh, she's trying to keep it hush-hush, but it turns out someone's on her tail. So that's interesting. They also reference things like the fact that Superman's been outed on this world is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you're going to deal with most likely Jonathan's um, eventual developing powers and him finding out who his parents really are and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, a, it's, 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 actually, it's just a really nice book. And it top marks the DC because, like, this is the kind of thing that could have gone horribly wrong. And for a first issue, it did a lot of things right. Very cool. Yeah, I, I totally meant to get it. And you texted me after I was back at work. Um, then I'd totally forgotten to pick it up. So I might go make a detour tomorrow to, uh, to get it. And I definitely want to check it out. I mean, they'll probably still have issues next week. I can probably just wait, but it definitely is right up my alley. And I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, from here that it, from you that it's good. I've checked a couple places online getting really positive reviews. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping that this book, uh, whatever they're doing they continue to do and we get to see more of it and i don't know i i I read somewhere that it's actually only supposed to be like a 12 issue series uh, or if that was just dc saying that they were guaranteeing 12 issues or what i mean i don't know if this book is actually going to last more than 12 issues 18 issues whatever but i mean if they keep up this level of quality and really build on this story they could make i mean Ultimately, unless they kill them and, say, make Jonathan the new Superboy, which he'd have to be aged up a little bit for it to be, you know, I guess, useful. Well, okay, when when Bruce Wayne died at the end of all, like, the Final Crisis stuff, Tim Drake suddenly aged, like, six years. No, he didn't. It was pretty dramatic. More like a year. I mean, he was already, I guess... He came off a little bit older, like a couple years or so, but he was technically already supposed to be, like, 16 or something, and... Prior to rest in peace. The fact that he was like 14 years old forever and then just suddenly like his balls dropped like in between panels. I mean, I imagine his balls dropped before 14, but go on. You know, he's a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I totally hear what you're saying about uh, the, the Jonathan Kent stuff. Like what's what elements of this book are going to be long term, if any of them? Or is it going to be like there's a big door at the end and they're going to walk through and... You know, That's it's like it. you, you, given how dark and, and, and one of the things they kept highlighting the issue was how mistrusting this world was that like on their earth, which if you think about the last, like the last decade prior to Flashpoint, the, the, the pre-Flashpoint DC universe, like identity crisis on up was a really dark and awful place a lot of the time. Uh, and obviously having kind of this nostalgia that you come somehow came from a more wholesome universe is really naive and obviously like it's heavily nostalgic but there's a certain truth to it the fact that despite all the darkness many of the superheroes from superman to wonder woman to the flash were idolized and not necessarily worshipped but you know their their presence was appreciated compared to how like a lot of characters in the marvel universe are treated and this this new dc universe really capitalizes on that more realistic like everyone would be freaking freaked out by these guys Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, but it, it, it is nice that like, they, they, they hit on that, that there's a, a real difference. Like we came from a world where Superman was respected and appreciated and here he's mistrusted and he's exposed and everyone hates him. And, you know, it's sad, but it, it really works to the strengths of this book. And I guess it just makes me wonder what is the long-term plans for these characters? Ultimately, either by the time this series wraps up, which you know, I guess ultimately all we can do is wait and read. 
Very true. Very true. We can sit here and try to speculate, or we can just enjoy the ride that we are on. Well, Nick, where do we go from here? I don't know. Do you have a quiz for me? I do have a quiz for you. Oh, I was oh. just... Uh, I wasn't serious. Oh, that's right. We are back. Return of the quiz. Return of the quiz it's, eye? It's been... Uh, it's been a while, but I had some time at work today, and so I wrote a quiz. So instead and of catching up on work, I made a quiz. This concept, I, I had no work to catch up on. This concept was actually a lot harder than I thought, so it took me longer. Uh, anyway, if you, uh, so your quiz, I'm going to give you three superheroes, mm-hmm. or uh, typically heroes, there might be a villain in here somewhere, but you need to tell me what city or state they were born in. Or what city they are from? That's their earliest known origin that they are from. This is this is gonna be interesting. All this right, it's gonna be interesting. And of course, if you fail, uh, your family uh, will be taken back to their place of birth and uh, shot. Let's just be gonna be straightforward with that one. That's awful, but okay. <laughs> so your first one, and of course, you know, I tried to make this a little bit harder. I'm not gonna ask you like Peter Parker because uh, that's fairly obvious. Anyway, Carol Danvers, Emma Frost, and Matthew Leibowitz, the two-gun kid. Are they all born in the same place? All born in the same place. Boston. That is correct. Do you know any one of them for sure? Um, I knew Emma Frost was okay. from Boston, from Massachusetts slash Boston. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that kind of tipped me off. I didn't know that the, two, the two-gun kid... Mm-hmm. Well, the Matthew Leibowitz Two Gun Kid. The Matthew is he like a present day Two Gun Kid? Or? No, I don't know how old he is. Like Matthew Leibowitz. I'll look him up afterwards. Um, but and and Carol Danvers. Um, I there was a an issue like just after her becoming uh, Captain Marvel that um, she was in Boston. I didn't actually or did I read it? No, no. Anyway, I had no idea she was from Boston, but that's actually cool because that's my home city. What? All right, next three. Jamie Reyes, Jaime Reyes, The Blob, and Malin. Malin? Yeah. What universe is Malin from? Marvel. Malin. All right, so Jamie Reyes is from, oh crap, is it Arizona or New Mexico? Do you want the city or the state? Um, I, I would take state on this one. Okay. No, wait. Isn't he from El Paso? El Paso's in Texas. So I want to go with Texas. Damn it, I thought I had you. Uh, uh, it is, that, was I it right? It is Texas, yep. Boom! Jamie Ray's from El Paso. Man, because you said, you said New Mexico or Arizona. I'm like, yes, perfect. Go <laughs> down the wrong thought process. <laughs> like one of those three states. All right. Paco Ramon. Luther Manning. And Jason Rush. Paco Ramon. Ramon. Who the frick is Paco Ramon? Think of the last name. Ramon. Cisco Ramon. So he's vibe. It's Paco Ramon. <sighs> Luther Manning is Deathlock. I'll give you that as well. So I know in the most recent vibe series when he was reintroduced he came out of detroit 
So I'm going to go with Detroit, Michigan. Uh, let me pull up the quiz again. That's correct. Boom! That was going to be a little bit harder for you. <laughs> I didn't remember the Jason Rush. I really want to read the Jason Rush introductory fire. So, but... uh, and like I said, this is earliest introduction, as far as we know. Jason Rush, as far back as I can tell, is from Detroit. So, people are free. If I if I get these wrong, they're free to write in. But it's too late. I don't. I, a lot of DC characters are actually from Detroit, and by a lot, I only know of. I think Guy Gardner is from Detroit. And uh, Simon Baz is also from Detroit. Baz. And then you've got Vibe, so. Uh, and I guess Jason Rush, so. I, I tried to avoid Green Lanterns. Wait, except Luther, was... Did you say Luther? Oh, Luther Manning was Cyborg, you said. De- Deathlock. Uh, De- Deathlock. Yeah, I tried to avoid Green Lanterns, except for in this next set. Because we have Jennifer Walters, Kyle Rayner, and Bill Foster, a.k.a. Black Goliath. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're all from New York. That's what we're going to go with? Yeah. <sighs> you just said pretty sure. Every other one you said, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with New York. Oh, it's Los Angeles. Oh. Jennifer Walters is from Los Jennifer Angeles. Jennifer Walters is from Los She's one of the few that I could fully confirm born Los Angeles. Wait, who are the other two guys? Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner's is from Bill Los Angeles. Foster. I thought he was in New York. I mean, they they spend time in New York. That doesn't mean that's where they're from originally. Oh, fine. That's what the quiz was. I told you. No, I know, but I'm just saying. I thought ah, from, ah, from ah. what information I had, I thought Kyle Rayner because I believe he was like a homeless artist in New York. So. So uh, this last one, dang it! I'm realizing one of these guys is going to be really obvious in this last one. So you've already passed the quiz. This is not my greatest quiz. It was an interesting concept. It's I just, liked it though. I was really into this. Well, I have one more for you, but it was, it was really hard to find heroes to, like to confirm where they were from. Because I'd be like DC characters, you know, Los Angeles, and like I would get like oh real life superheroes DC or in uh, Los Angeles or like DC moving to Los Angeles. It took me a while. But anyway, your last set is. Mark Spector, Maria Hill, and James Gordon. Chicago. Yeah, it was the James Gordon, wasn't it? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, who were the first two? Maria Hill and who? Mark Spector. Mark Spector, yeah, I didn't know he was from Chicago. <sighs> Man, I should have gone with just like one or two heroes. I gave you obvious ones in these. <laughs> no, I got the other one, the last one wrong. You got one of them wrong out of five. Hey, so hey, hey, David. Yeah. Most of the time, I fail all. It's the true because I'm asking you like really obscure questions sentence. about Howard the Duck. <laughs> but which I should have known. Right, you should be well versed on Howard the Duck. Well, this was a really uh, slow week for news, so we'll uh, you know we'll still talk about it because it's what we're here to do. It's you know we're in that. We're in that post-con slump. We had some really great stuff come out of New York Comic Con. And now people aren't really making announcements. But, you know, there's some. So we'll start off because uh, we, we've, this news today was uh, brought to us by... Hold on, wait for it. It was brought to us by... Spider-Man and his amazing friends. He just swung right in, handed me this uh, this sheet full of news. So there are reports now that the Hulk might probably, possibly be in Thor Ragnarok. Or as Nick put it, 
Hulk reportedly reported to report for duty in the reported Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is not just reported to happen. I'm pretty sure it's happening. But well, they reported that it's happening. Mm. That's a report, thus so, reported. The official headline is that Hulk, uh, Marvel Studios reportedly near deal for Hulk to be in Thor Ragnarok. All right. I feel like we're hitting our breaking point with this because obviously we're here to discuss, and not necessarily a breaking point between you and me. Uh, that happened a long time ago. Um, oh, but, that's true. I hate you. But, um, it feels like every day there's another quote-unquote news story about something reportedly happening or yeah. something rumoring to and happen. I and it hate... blows up on the internet like it's a real thing. Like this morning, literally in the span of a few hours, we went from being like, oh, man, Marvel reportedly gets Fantastic Four back to right. no, Marvel didn't. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead because that was also a news story possibly we we're, were going to talk about later. Let's talk about that for just a minute before we get back to this whole uh, Thor Ragnarok Hulk thing and uh, my browser's currently freezing, so hopefully that's not going to mess up our recording. Um, yeah, so this morning, these the reports out of nowhere were just like, all right, here's the rumor. It's that Marvel has now gotten back Fantastic Four from making some deal that Fox now gets TV rights from, uh, from Marvel for the X-Men, which uh, the X-Men, and done stuff with them on TV, so they don't need that permission and my friend was even like well apparently they need them to sign off on it it's like so why would they get the fantastic what are they gonna do with fantastic four that property is cursed but then the things escalated so fast okay first off there's a kind of a lot of voodoo in that statement uh i and i and someone can correct me if i'm wrong i believe that there is a stipulation where fox uh, especially back when you're referring to i'm assuming mutant x or x, whatever the show was called um, they, Marvel did have like an injunction where they couldn't actually use any X-Men material on the show. Um, so they technically could make a show that was sort of kind of about X-Men related material, but they couldn't actually use it. So, and if I remember correctly, a, a little while back there had, when they talked about Fox looking into developing X-Men shows, there was conversation about the fact that they had to get certain approvals for that from marvel mm -hmm. um hey i need to uh i need to pause our recording here for just a second all right all right wait, we're, what are we we're talking about we're back uh nick you we were kind of talking about uh when uh when marvel or when fox has done stuff in the past you were saying like marvel did does have to sign off or they have to give an, an okay they did then but i also don't remember when that show was so the i don't late know if it was 90s, like the early, early part of the, the century yeah um, you know, but technically I think Fox has had the film rights since like 1999 or something like that. So I don't know. Obviously Marvel can use the X-Men in their animated productions. Um, cause like Wolverine and other characters have shown up on like ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers assemble and all that. Um, so I don't know. Well, what, what, like what we were saying is the whole thing was that fox or that fox had given back the rights to fantastic four to get a tv deal out of marvel yeah which taking it let, let's just pretend for a second that the rumor was true and take it at face value at this point if there was one property that fox would give up and supposedly they're not going to but let's just say they did um um it would be fantastic four 
the property they absolutely would not give up is X-Men. Absolutely not. X-Men makes them too much money, and they just have a better track record with it. They're not going to give it up. So the chances of Marvel ever regaining the film rights or having any kind of real partnership with being able to integrate the X-Men into their plans is highly unlikely because Marvel's already on the, the inhuman train. They've already kind of like that ship has sailed. So if it ultimately means like if the X-Men TV rights are like their only real leverage against Fox at this point, they're not really using them. Like no, they'll have they're... them feature in the cartoons, but it's not like they had any plans to make an X-Men no. TV yeah. show and they're, anyway. And they're not going to go live action because that's going to compound the f- confusion for some people. It's like, oh, this is a Marvel TV show. But like the movie, the X Men movies aren't involved. With that, like that, like that would just be, I think, too. And they, you know, they already have Agents of Shield. They're allegedly making a Mockingbird show. They have Peggy Carter. Like they have no. Look at the Netflix shows. They, yeah, they've already got a lot on their plates. It's not like any time in the next several years an X Men show set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was going to happen. Nope. So giving up the TV rights, if that was truly the case kind of makes sense because fantastic four i don't agree is a cursed property i think that fox's no, previous I'm, I'm, I'm attempts being dramatic what i'm being dramatic of course. you are being dramatic but i mean obviously the first two you could say that they were well intended but misguided and made during a time where there weren't a lot of high expectations for superhero no, and, movie and properties. Su- and superhero movies were changing in that time because yeah. that it was very campy property people didn't really believe in it but then you had the x-men movies you had spider-man coming out and it was suddenly like oh man we can take these seriously and be good and people are gonna like them well and and marvel kind of mark cornered the market on sort of uh seamlessly blending comedy in with the drama and the action Mm -hmm. in a way where their movies are big big bold letters fun um in a way that the fantastic four movies were the, not the kind of fun that people were looking for. They definitely leaned too heavy on the campy side and the groaning side mm-hmm. of fun, um, mm-hmm. which I guess people would argue that those sides in fun don't exist, but whatever. Um, and then obviously with the new one, it was kind of, and I'm obviously oversimplifying things, but it was kind of pushed out the door because if they didn't get a Fantastic Four movie into production, they would lose the film rights. Mm-hmm. And... You know, what came out, came out, regardless of who you want to point fingers at for the the end result. There's no reason that a Fantastic Four movie made by Fox has to be bad. No, it's just very unfortunate they so far have been. They just have been bad. Um, So... It's it's all likelihood that especially when Fantas- when Fox goes back to to the to make another Fantastic Four movie that they might be able to stick the landing. When they're going to do that, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Marvel obviously could utilize the Fantastic Four characters in a way that's still unique to the growing Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, but I don't I don't think it would be hey here's the Fantastic Four movie. It would be hey here are these characters we can now use and insert around the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. If Marvel were to get the Fantastic Four back, how would they utilize them? One idea I thought was before introducing them as having superpowers, you could introduce them in their civilian identities. You know, Reed could be a S.H.I.E.L.D. scientist. Uh, yeah. Bang could be a S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot. Uh, Sue, him, make him an actual useful person. 
um, Human Torch could be uh, whatever, you know. Right, just related to Sue Storm, who is married to Reed, but she's still, I mean, she was still scientist? Well, in the original comic, she's not. She's just kind of the girlfriend. Right. Um, Not really known for having smarts or anything. So I do like the ultimate interpretation where she's also a fellow scientist and can kind of go head-to-head with Reed as far as the brains go. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the the one character that you have a hard time kind of writing off is Johnny Storm, or you Mm -hmm. have a very easy time writing him off because if if you want to keep him young, there's no reasonable way to explain why he was either A, on a uh, rocket experiment, or B, uh, at a teleportation experiment. They do their best. And actually, in the Fantastic Four movie, which they obviously play Johnny Storm a bit older, you know, the characters are all supposedly young, um, but they kind of give him a reason for being there, that he's kind of a mechanic and can fix anything. And because his dad's the head of the project, his dad wanted him to get in on the project and use his skills. Yeah, so I... And we're probably not going to talk about the movie right here. Uh, but one thing I actually did like that I read that I thought was a was a good improvement based on what we had seen was that the reason that these four characters went to the uh, Phantom Zone, what is it, Planet X, whatever the hell they called Planet it. Planet Zero. Planet Zero. is just as bad as Planet X. Uh, but the reason that they all went is because they were like, oh, this was our achievement. We should be the ones to go. Let's all get drunk and go in because that's a great idea. Which, if you're drunk, you're going to do stupid, really stupid stuff like that. So, didn't see it. But I'm like, you know what? That's actually a lot better than I thought they were going to go with rather than just like, and uh, Johnny Storm, you helped build it. You get to go in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we're we're talking about this rumor. And the rumor grew even just beyond... Oh, they got the rights back. It is Marvel got the rights back, and in 2020, here comes a brand new Fantastic Four movie. Which was pretty funny. Which, yeah, that was definitely the most ludicrous part. And people were just taking it at face value. They were like, yep, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, Even though, you know, and nobody released a statement right away, but pretty quickly. Uh, Even, like, the guy who was over at Collider, I remember Googling it, and the guy, editor-in-chief over at Collider was like, I've spoken to people who are high up in Marvel and, you know, obviously I'm not going to name names, but they all said this is not true. And like t- 20 minutes later, Marvel came out and was like, yeah, this is really stupid. This is not true. Why do you believe this? But yeah, it, we, we are in, in such a stage with the 24 hour news cycle that is now extended to comics where rumors are very much taken as true. Brian Cranston is going to be Lex Luthor. He signed a 10 picture deal to show up. Guy, like that was an actual thing people were posting daily on Facebook. So I'm I'm really glad that they got one on top of this one a little bit quicker. And uh this all started with us talking about Hulk reportedly joining <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. We knocked a few stories out at once. It's true. Um, what do you think about Hulk appearing in Thor? I don't I mean obviously he's not gonna be in Civil War, which I think is smart. Neither Thor or Hulk are I don't think that necessarily means that they have to be then together. Um, Thor Ragnarok, the way that it's all set up, makes it really seem like this is going to be a very Asgard-focused story. Something bad is going to be happening at, at Asgard that's threatening all of their livelihood. Um, and Thor has to deal with that. They'd have to find a, you know, a, a 
good reason for Hulk to be there, which it could be something as dumb as, oh, Hulk was flying around in this ship and went through a breach in space-time and ended up in Asgard, and while you're here, want to help me out with this thing? Okay, great. Uh, I, I don't like the reports that it's going to take place on a distant planet, which is where how they could introduce the planet Hulk stuff. Because really, have they gotten there in the comics? And really, is the planet Hulk stuff stuff that we're clamoring for? Yeah, let's make this universe more convoluted and far-reaching. Well, I... they could do... I have a problem with doing the, the Planet Hulk story. I recently read that, and it's good. And I get why people... You know, if you want to do a story that really allows the Hulk to cut loose, you know, it also allows Marvel to, con you know, like, to keep telling superhero stories in unique and interesting ways. Basically making a gladiator movie with the Hulk is pretty compelling stuff. Right, but... Um, but do that in a Hulk movie, not in a Thor movie. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of my worry. I mean, that's been my, been my big worry about Civil War, is that this isn't a Captain America movie, and now if you're, like, bringing Hulk in, we're going to introduce these planet Hulk elements. It's like, what... I mean, obviously, there's still room to tell a Thor story, but that's not... It doesn't seem to be the one that they are promoting right now. Again, this is all rumor. We have no idea if it's going to be true. I'm not against it, I would say, but I would like good story reason for the Hulk to show up in Asgard. Mm -hmm. I mean, why why would he show up? No one else is just randomly popping in. Well, it could be that wherever he ends up after Age of Ultron, maybe he gets found by Loki and, you know... Uh, he ends up, he gets mind controlled or whatever, so that he's a freaking no. puppet. Of... Mind, no, Marvel needs to let go of mind control. But they love to the mind control. Yeah, yeah. You had Scarlet Witch who did it. You had Loki who did it. You had uh, Bucky Barnes who was being mind controlled. Like we, yeah, it's done. It's over. But but the mind control. It's over. But 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 mind control. You're hired as a Marvel executive. You start on <laughs> yeah. Monday. Yes. So, um, interesting. I, mean, I think they. Trick. I mean, Hulk is obviously a character that, you know, Thor and Hulk are kind of in the same class as far as like power goes. Um, so having Hulk in there could be interesting. Um, you know, obviously it remains to be seen until, you know, we get closer to the movie how much of a role Hulk might play. I have no problem with appearing in the film. As long as the movie is good, that's all that really matters to me. Mm -hmm. So, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if... I, I'm not saying that this is something that I'm totally against. Obviously, I, I even said I'm not <laughs> against it. I don't know why I'm feeling the need to continue to defend this. Maybe because usually I'm the guy who's like, brr, brr, everything sucks, brr, brr, brr. And we're so far out. Uh, you know, totally cool man, hippies, seventies. If if they gave us a good reason, I'd be totally fine. I'd kind of like to know a little bit more about it, like leading in. <sighs> it's not gonna stop me from seeing the movie in theaters. I'm still gonna see it, unless it's gonna be something like totally stupid. Well, even if it was like Thor and Hulk's, you know, weekend adventures, weekend at Thor's. I would totally watch the crap out of the movie. That reminds me of, uh, oh man, they need to get Black Panther in on this. Oh, oh, what were they called? Hold on. I have to Google this right now. Remember Dexter's Lab? Yeah. Uh, there was the, the side story with the three characters. Oh, the um, incur incurable sulker. Crap, what was it called? There was the three, oh, there was the three superheroes. 
and it was it was Thor, Captain America, or not Thor, Captain America. It was Thor, the Hulk, and um, and Black Panther. Oh man, the Justice Friends. Oh, Justice Friends. Justice Friends was amazing. If they want to somehow do a Justice Friends movie with those three characters, I am beyond. I guess one of them was Captain America. There was Major Glory. Major Glory, yes. Uh, Val Hallen. Oh, um, so and the infragable Crunk. Or Crunk for sure. Oh, because the White Tiger kept showing up. Um, there, Yeah, there was White Tiger, Samurai. Living, uh, Living Bullet. Bullet, Fantone, oh, Ratman. It's so great. Tiki Torch. Uh, I'm definitely going to be finding these online tomorrow. This is Spill. And then Monkey, of course. Monkey is the greatest hero. Dial M for Monkey. Uh, Which would be based off of Dial H for Hero. But Monkey was also his own thing. No, I know. Dexter had his Monkey. Semi-effective Caped American Hero. Overdramatic patriotic dialogue. Oh. Other news stories. There's a hack slash uh, TV show in the Woiks. Never read hack slash. So when Dave and I say that we're going to report news, we really mean movie and TV news. Hey, that's kind of the most exciting I mean, stuff that happens New York, in the comic book industry. New York, oh, I searched for a while before the show to see if we missed anything. And I have a bit of comic book news at the end here. Um, there, you know, but, there's, yeah, there, I've never read Hackslash. New York Comic Con's over. There's really not a whole lot going on here. So let's see. All right. The comic series follows Casey Hack. Oh, that's original. A young woman who survived a horror movie scenario. Emotionally damaged, she uses her experience to hunt down killers across the country with a burly protector named Vlad. In her adventures, she faces slashers like Halloween's Michael Myers, Friday the 13th's Jason Voorhees, and A Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger. This is a pretty cool uh, idea, actually. I'm a little sad this is the first time I'm hearing what it's about. Uh, yeah, no idea if it's any good, but hey, it seems, you know, pretty cool. It's been sticking uh, around well, for Tim a while. Tim Seeley is co-responsible right. for Grayson. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, you got Tim Seeley on there. And I know that. that Stefano Caselli has done some really great work for Marvel over the years, so could be good. It's planned to be a film. This is happening a lot, you know, it's just, uh, originally it was planned to be a film. We're getting all these reports lately of all these comic series that was like, oh, but we're going to do a film out of it. Why don't we just do a TV show now? Because that's the thing. Like, Why the Last Man is now apparently being talked as a TV show, which that could work as a, I would say you do a couple of years of miniseries, you do like four years, 12 episodes a year, go like hour long, you could you could really tell a really cool Why the Last Man story in there. That's my personal belief mm-hmm. in this. Uh, do we want to talk about Goyer? Do we have to talk about Goyer? Do we have to talk about Goyer? Do we Goyer? have to talk about Goyer? Uh, I mean, not really. I just thought it was interesting, you know, because I completely forgot about the Escape the Super from Max. Supermax movie that was supposed to be about Green Arrow escaping from a prison. And that does sound so cool the more I think about it. It does sound... It, it's like one of those things where it's a whole movie about a superhero game. It's like the kind of thing you might see from like a Tom Cruise or a Sylvester Stallone or like a... Um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type film kind of like a, a movie where like this guy that is unassuming but actually has a lot of skill has to go through a kind of insular situation whereas it feels like every time you get a super movie, superhero movie you're dealing with not only like the character's personal life and you know the greater story like how can we tell us over several movies 
and the building and the building and the building. Whereas they could literally just tell a movie about a superhero who happens to be Green Arrow escaping from a prison full of DC who's who's of supervillains. Yeah, I think it's something they still totally could do, especially with like Green. I mean, they, we don't know that if Green Arrow's going to be established in these first couple of movies. Or I'm sure Queen Industries will be. Then how would you get him arrested, et cetera, et cetera? I don't. It seems like just such a, a cool idea in a, in a movie we haven't done with superheroes yet. Um, I I would be all for exploring that idea, and I'm you know, still really excited for Suicide Squad. Yeah. No. I mean, when you think about all the superhero movies, like they always have to be kind of broad and big, and sort of kind of touch on all these little things, but. I mean, the idea of spending an hour and a half, two hours just watching a guy trying to escape from a prison is the kind of thing you expect from like a diehard movie or just a, so your, your typical action film, but throw in an established superhero in it and a colorful cast of villains and it's something completely different. But you feel like you can't do that because where's the eye towards a franchise? You know? Yeah. Well, you could totally, like, you could do a Green Arrow movie. Uh, where you have Oliver Queen running around and he fights guys, but it ends with him getting arrested, and then in the second movie he gets thrown in prison, and it's all about him busting out. Well, I would say to that is that we can, at this point, we can kind of already surmise what a movie of Green Arrow running around fighting crime would look like, you know, especially with the TV show. Like you can, it's at this point, it's kind of by the numbers. You might be able to find a way to make it seem unique but it really wouldn't be any different from your typical batman story or film well um, but literally opening it up with him just in prison for you know you can establish the reason as you go uh and then going from there uh, you but, know but you know uh, you, you know work. you know batman is always like toe-to-toe -to -toe with gods doing these like larger than life things i know netflix is doing their heroes on the street stuff but i think if dc did a hero on the street movie would be really cool uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that's something that's missing. Well, I mean, w because of this new, I mean, technically with the Nolan films, they were pretty street, and obviously with this new right. universe, we got a new Batman coming in, but he's showing off going, with Superman. Yeah. But probably by when we get to a solo Batman film again, it'll be more street. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, we know it's coming. They've already talked about it. Uh. This uh, this story here, you know, not necessarily super superhero related, but this old lady is a badass. A hundred and three year old woman celebrating her birthday, dressed as Wonder Woman. She uh, just sounds incredible. First off, she's living the dream because who doesn't want to live to be a hundred and three? Probably not many people actually. Right. Yeah. Um, well, at least not well, as an old person. If I could but... be like her and you know walking around and doing stuff and being very. Act, and that's what she said. Like yeah. that's what's incredible about it is that she's still she's 103 and she's still driving herself to and from the senior center uh, and actively participating in and the community. And well, you know, she, she's not just going to the senior center to hang out. She's going there to volunteer. Yeah, and move and work. And I mean, all she said was just keep busy. I guess obviously she's got a great mix of jeans, uh, jeans, uh, and and what have you, uh, and life experience. But I mean, it's incredible. Like I know uh, Anna's. Uh, grandfather is, you know, just turned 100 this past year. And, I mean, he's basically confined to a wheelchair in a retirement home. But, mm -hmm. so, like, obviously, not keeping busy isn't the only thing. 
Right. I'm just gonna know, see. I'm just gonna see how far my dad's gonna make it, and then like watch when his life starts turning south, and then <laughs> probably get state-assisted suicide at that age. <laughs> and you're ready to. You're welcome to everybody. I just offended. Uh, nah. I mean, my dad's doing pretty good so far, and my grandparents lives until like their 90s. So. So you're you're thinking what you got like till 50. And it's over. Dude, not even, man. I'm like I am one bad texting while driving away from being dead. What's uh what's the age where Anna just leaves you mysteriously? Forty six. Forty six. I thought it was forty six. Yeah, so that's uh That's coming up. Oh. That's like three years. Whoa, dude. <laughs> Whoa. Uh well I'm quietly beating David up in the background. Uh, one last real story going on. Yeah, uh, Aftershock is, Comics. This is the actual uh, bit about company comics. from Mike Martz and another guy who's not Mike Martz. Uh, I didn't click on the article to read it fully. We are really bad journalists. Um, we're not journalists. That's that's, that's our secret. We're okay. Um, uh, is really making a name for itself. Got. I mean, thanks. I mean, when you work with someone like Mike Martz for a long time, he can obviously go to the startup and say, "I got a lot of friends." top dollar friends, I can totally get them to work for our company. And boom, he did. And the latest is Brian Azzarello, who's kind of having a big comeback year when you really think about it. Yeah, I guess like for for me, I feel like Azzarello hasn't, you know, I mean, I guess he's been doing more quiet hush-hush stuff. Well, in since 100 Bullets ended, uh, I want to say that he did that Batman arc with Edward, Edward Ariso. Um, while they were doing 100 Bullets. There was Second Wave, which never really got off the ground, um, but I'm sure still, the stuff I'm that Azarello was a part of was great. Well, no, First Wave is what it was called, I'm pretty sure. First Wave. Yeah. Um, you know, but other than that, like, he did the Spaceman book with Riso, which is really good. Um, but, like, but he's, like, really come out in these past few months, and I imagine going into the year, like, his name's really sticking out, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And he hasn't really, that I've seen, had any creator-owned books out. He was working on Wonder Woman, and then he was working on Future's End. Um, and uh, now he's working on Dark Knight 3, which obviously is going to get him a lot of great exposure. And yeah, I mean, now... I mean, to be fair, he was working on Wonder Woman a few years ago. No, he was. Like, he it just, wasn't that long ago. Before Watchmen. 2014, actually. Hellblazer. Oh, his, his bibliography is long, but in the last couple of years, besides Wonder Woman, he hasn't really been active. I feel like if we're counting visibility and activity just based on the fact that his name is on more than, like, one project. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was... When the Wonder Woman stuff came out, he was doing a lot of stuff all at the same time. I will say, like, so 2005 is when he was doing Loveless, and then our first wave was shortly after that. So yeah, he kind of had a little bit of time where he lulled slightly, which, I mean, he, who knows what he was doing in that time? Probably killing people. Maybe. You know? Anyway. Anyway, so they... Brian Azzarello and Juan Doe. Juan Doe, such a great name. Juan Doe uh, have joined Aftershock Comics with a new series called American Monster. American David, what's American Monster, Monster about? War changes people. The person who leaves is never the person who returns. Theo Montclair is such a person. Horribly scarred and disfigured during his tour of duty, 
Theo returns to the small northwestern town that was once his home, a changed man, a transformed emotionally and physically man, both in appearance and in perception. But is he returning a hero or a modern-day Frankenstein? That's our synopsis. So, kind of sounds... Um... Aftershock is not shying away from possibly controversial storylines. No. But... I'm looking at some of their other stuff, too. Replica from Paul Jenkins and Andy Clark, who's been doing a lot of Batman work. Insects uh, from Margaret Bennett actually sounded really cool. Um, I don't know anything about Super Zero. Yeah, we, we, we talked about these, and I, I don't remember the descriptions for a lot of them. But it, they do seem like, hey, whatever story you want to tell, come over here. Come and tell it and tell it no matter what like the subject material is because even you know as as like free as images i don't feel like we're getting a lot of books that are like hey this could possibly be pretty harsh on the military yeah um this i mean it could be but i mean obviously like i think you can respect the concept or the idea of the military with also being realistic about the like the experiences that soldiers go through yeah um which there's room for that story to be told in comics. Oh, there's plenty, of, and, and I mean, war comics have had a long history. Yeah, I just you know, I can't I mean, think of so. any that have been in the spotlight in recent years. I mean, what this sounds like is kind of like those movies, um, like Walking Stand, Standing Tall, Walking Tall, or the movie where the guy goes away for a while, comes home, and you know, the the shithead in town is like the one leading the pack, and he gets into a kerfuffle with them. Um, but in this case, it could be a, a situation where the guy coming back is the monster and the town has to deal with it. But mm-hmm. obviously without reading the comic, I have no idea. Yeah. So it remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, I like Azarello. Um, I'll be very curious to see yeah. how the book plays out. All right. So straight up, I'm, I'm, I'm looking right here at Azarello. And uh, I think I got to disagree that he didn't, he didn't really have that time off that we're thinking about because he was doing 100 bullets up through 2008 and also in that time uh you know he was he was doing well so maybe well but then i uh, i guess a little bit between 09 and 010 maybe he wasn't really doing a whole lot well but- Okay, again, so when flash, he was doing flash Wonder Woman, Batman. well, because he was doing Wonder Woman, he, also that same year that that started, there was the Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance. Uh, well, prior to Wonder Woman, he first, was doing he was doing that, and I will I will remember now that he was doing before Watchmen. Yeah, I I mentioned that like three times. Oh, did you? Which uh, that actually started after Wonder, Wonder Woman. Uh, first Wave was also the same time as Wonder Woman. Like, he's been busy. In Wait, last First year. Wave was back in 2011? Yeah. Like, at the same time that... Um... Wait. No, First Wave started... Number one was in 2010. Okay, so the... Written by I, I don't know if you're looking at the Wikipedia, um, his bibliography. Um... I think it was collected in 2011. Okay, so see, yeah, he was even working that time. So all all I'm saying is that uh, Brian Azzarello has been around, and he's probably watching us right now in anger seeping out of his eyes with which he will use to kill us. Yeah. Man, it would be cool if we could get our hands on those first wave books, because I'm sure DC can't print them anymore. I have a few of them. 
I mean, I think I had a couple of them, but not, I didn't read most of them. Yeah. It was a nice idea. It really was. I And I did enjoy what I had read. Yeah, it's DC is always like, hey, here's a new like imprint, and we're gonna do this like side universe thing. But they don't. I feel like they don't throw a lot of weight behind it, especially in like their advertising and pushing for it. It falls. I mean, first way I want to say it was pretty heavily advertised, but either creatively or or financially or whatever, it just kind of falls apart. And I think there was one time a comment. I don't know if this was an official comment or like like uh, like like DDO or someone was saying it, um, but basically said you already have so many characters to work with. Why work with licensed characters? Because DC was technically paying to make comics about Doc Savage in the spirit. So it was like you could pay to have those licenses or we could not worry about them. Leave that for another company like, say, Dynamite, um, Dynamite. which is like the company of licensed characters, um, and let DC solely focus on their intellectual property. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this is usually the time of our show where we start to wind down and we give you, fine folks, some recommendations of stuff that we think you should check out uh, in the future or in the the coming week. So let's go ahead and do that. I'll go ahead and I'll jump jump on first here, Nick. Give you you a moment to scramble and find yourself. I'm going to, uh, you know, recommend another podcast. That's right. Stop listening to us. Go listen to other podcasts. Just... Let it just let it go. No, uh, I am. I've recommended other podcasts on the show before. If I come across ones that I think are really interesting, uh, or highlight really interesting things about the comic world, and I've been getting into this show lately called "I Was There Too," which is hosted by Matt Gorley, who is a frequent guest on my one of my current favorite podcasts, which is Spontaneous Nation. With Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, but that's not my recommendation, but you should check it out because it's hilarious. Anyway, what happens on I Was There Too is that Matt Gorley finds people who were in iconic scenes in cinema and then interviews them about being in the movies. So he has uh, a guy who is in um, Leon the Professional. Uh, he has Phil Lamar who, talking about Pulp Fiction and working with like Samuel L. Jackson and all that. Um, he has an episode, uh, with Stephen Tobolowski talking about Groundhog Day and working with Bill Murray. He's got a, like a whole bunch on here. Those are just a few, uh, two though that I have listened to that I think are very relevant. Uh, and I can't see the guy's full name. So let me open the show notes here. It is DC Pearson, who was the Apple employee uh, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and he talks about working with uh, the Rousseau brothers, working what it's like to work on a Marvel set. Uh, it's very interesting. You'll get like kind of a behind the scenes, and even just how iconic those movies are, where he's like a really bit part, but he's still getting rec- recognized, and just kind of what that's like. Uh, another one that was really interesting is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with uh, Josh... I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, Josh uh, Pace, Pice. I think it was Josh Pice, uh, who was the body actor in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for uh, Raphael. He was also the voice. He was the only guy who was in the suit and providing the voice. And uh, just very interesting insight on that movie back in, in 1990 and what that was all like. And he was a guy who didn't really know... 
about the Ninja Turtles and, uh, you know, coming out on the other side and seeing what a phenomenon uh, it was. And also, if you never heard about their working conditions in those suits, they were apparently horrible and horrifying. And they go into that, and it's it just it's, it's very cool, very interesting stuff. So I recommend uh, that show in its entirety. But for the sake of this podcast, I will say the DC Pearson, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and uh, Josh Pice, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episodes. Nick, nice your recommendations. Uh, I recommend Scandal again. Don't. Uh, Don't. I'm just, still so upset about it's that. Just... <laughs> oh man, that that was probably one of the highlights of my entire life. Oh. Um, I did not spend the actual time thinking up a recommendation. Did I ever recommend the Exile series? I don't know if you did. Okay. Obviously, in this particular case, uh, your mileage can vary from issue to issue or arc to arc. Um, but the original run was by Judd Winnick and Mike McCone, um, who uh, Mike McCone, I think, is seen a lot more favorably. Judd Winnick, I know, can kind of go up and down for certain people. Um, so when you think of books like Web Warriors or Spider-Verse or uh, the, the, the books where you get characters from different universes teaming up to save whatever – it really all started, at least as far as as far as I know, and with comic books, with Exiles, which was technically an X Men book of various alternate. Oh, wait, wait, of... an X Men uh, book with, uh, you know, an X in there in some fashion. That's like just Exiles. Exiles yes. was the X uh, stylized as being uh, bigger than the other letters in the name. That I can confirm. All right, continue. Um. But the initial premise was that these mutant characters from alternate realities, many of the initial team from, I guess, pre, uh, pre-existing pre uh, alternate futures or alternate realities uh, of the uh, X-Men, um, being brought together by someone named the Time Broker, who kind of lives in a weird oasis inside an infinite desert, saying that many realities are broken and I need you to go and fix them. And then they're basically thrusted headfirst into this situation and have to make certain choices that you wouldn't expect from a super team. Um, but for the sake of uh, steering a reality correct, um, whether it means killing a certain someone, so on and so forth, is what they have to do. Like they go to a reality where Professor Xavier is evil. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. It's been a long time since I've read it. Um, but like those initial storylines were really, really good. Uh, and I think the series, for the most part, uh, kept really, uh, was fairly steady uh, quality-wise. Uh, um, but uh, it really was a book that almost felt ahead of its time. Uh, it had a pretty lengthy run. Uh, they attempted to reboot it once or twice, uh, and it didn't stick. Um, but for for at the time, like it, it was just a really nice, good-looking series with some interesting moral quandaries to deal with and i if you can get your hands on like the first couple of volumes at least definitely check it out very cool that's uh yeah i'm always always down for more uh more x-men there's not enough x-men in the world as far as x-men fans are concerned 
Well, that is going to bring our show to a close. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nick, for being here. And uh, thank you, David, for thanking everybody. If you want to find out more about the show, head over to heckyeahcomics.com. You can also email us with any of your thoughts on stuff we've said, uh, any recommendations that you have, or whatever. You know, tell us how your day's going. Send that over to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And you can follow us on the tweeters at heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter at D-A-V-L-U-Z, that is Dav Luz. And you can uh, find Nick not watching Scandal. As usual, if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. If you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, same bat place, same bat channel. Goodbye. Ever.